Thank you so much for being here this morning. It is uh, quite different being out from behind um, the piano, and especially, I don't mind being out from behind there so much when I'm just singing and there's um, a choir behind me covering up my voice, but um, I am excited for this opportunity today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Mark chapter 5, and we're going to be there in just a few moments. There's a story that's told about a man who often would go walking, and I don't know about you, but I found it strange when I first moved to Savannah that it's a thing to walk through cemeteries. You know, we didn't do that in the upstate of South Carolina, but down in Savannah, you pay people money to walk you through a cemetery, and you even pay money to ride in a hearse and talk about cemeteries. That was just weird to me. Well, this man, must have been in Savannah, was walking through a cemetery on his way home, And one night, though he knew this cemetery well, it was dark, and he was unaware that they had dug a fresh grave. Well, this man, as he was walking, fell into this grave. Well, this was a seven-foot grave. Well, this young man worked fearlessly and tirelessly for about an hour to get himself out of that grave, all to no avail. So finally, he just uh, gave up and decided to settle down for the night. Well, about an hour or so later, he hears dogs barking and he hears some noise. Well, he hears a gunshot. Well, of course, at first he's scared, but then he realized, I'm in Savannah. It's okay. I'm just teasing. (laughs) But he hears a gunshot out here in this graveyard. And so he, all of a sudden, hears a dog run by. Well, then next thing he knows, someone else falls down into the hole. It's a farmer who was out possum hunting. Everybody ever, anybody ever been possum hunting? Me neither, so I have no idea what that's like. But he was out hunting with his dogs. Well, he fell into this hole. Well, this young man knew he couldn't get out, but this farmer was feverishly trying to climb out of this grave. And so the young man decides to just sit back and watch. And he watched and he listened as this old man tried and tried and tried to get out of that grave. He let him work for a few minutes, and he reached over and patted him on his back in the pitch darkness, and he said, you can't get out of here. But guess what? The farmer got out. (laughs) The farmer got out and he left that man there. Well, today I want us to look at a story in the book of Mark. Now, you also are going to find this in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, but we're going to particularly look in the book of Mark. And it's a story about a little different graveyard experience, but I believe that it's one that God has for us to look at this morning. So go ahead and turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 5, and I want us to look at this incredible graveyard encounter with Jesus that I want to call Delivered to Serve. Now, if you read much about the Scripture, you'll know that in the book of Mark chapter 4, there's been some pretty amazing things happening. Jesus has been teaching in Galilee. He's been performing miracles, and he tells his disciples who he just previously in the chapter before had appointed and named apostles that they were going to cross over to the other side of the sea. And in the end of chapter 4, do you remember what happens? There's this great storm, and Jesus speaks to the storm. He rebukes the storm, and the wind and the waves, even nature itself, obeys him. And so that leads us to the text for today. So let's read that together. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. 
Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do you have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? Jesus asking him, What is your name? And he said to Jesus, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission, and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described it to them how it had happened and to the demon-possessed man, and all about the swine, and they began to implore Jesus to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, Jesus getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, but Jesus did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Wow, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? You know, now that we have all these Bible shows chosen and all these different Bible shows coming out, um, I really want to see this story played out on the big screen, don't you? I mean, I want to see this story, these thousands of pigs and all this craziness happening. I really want to see this. It's an incredible story of Jesus' power. But even more than that, in this passage, we get a glimpse of his purpose and his passion. And right off the bat, I want to say there's a part in here that I find interesting that's easily missed. In verse 1, we're told that this man, uh, the Jesus, went into the country of the Gerasenes. Now, if you've been flipping through your Bible and you know this story much, you'll know that in the book of Matthew, it's called the region of the Gadarenes. The region of the Gadarenes. Now, no, that's not a contradiction, as some people may say. It's most likely because simply Jesus came ashore in between this area. It was Gerasi or Gerasa in the district of Gadara is how that was. So it was kind of all the same thing. That's like we live on Wilmington Island, but where do you tell people you live? Savannah. Kind of that same idea. So that's what we've got here. So just wanted to clear that up. There is no, uh, there is no um, contradiction. But it is significant that the area that Jesus has gone to here is a region with a very high population of Gentiles, more so than over in Galilee. And we're going to see the significance of that in just a few moments. But in verse 2, we set up kind of the story here and sets the stage for what's going to happen. It says, he got out of the boat, he being Jesus, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. 
Now, let me set this scene for you. Jesus and his disciples have come across the sea. And we know from the book of Mark chapter 4 that it was most likely night when they crossed the sea. Now, have you ever been on a cruise ship or on a boat at night and there's no lights? What is it? Dark. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's dark. So imagine they've come across the sea. It is dark. There has been this major storm that has just totally rocked their worlds. God has then calmed this storm. They thought they were going to die. Then they see this man they follow who just caught him, who they've been watching do miracles, just speak to the winds and waves, and they obey him. Now they pull up on the side of this uh, beach. They beach here on this land. There's a graveyard there. It's dark. And as we know from later in the scriptures, they start hearing this man scream. There's this crazy man up there in the, on the hill. Doesn't that sound like a great horror movie in the making? I mean, this has Hollywood written all over it. This is so ready. It's the dead of night, and they've got all of this stuff happening here. There's one commentator that I read. He said, this part of the lakeside had many caves that were used as tombs in which bodies were laid. At the best of times, this was an eerie place. But as night fell, it was grim indeed. And that's where they were when this all happened. So I want you to put yourselves in the disciples' sandals. How would you feel at this moment? I think I would have been quite scared, quite emotional. I think I would have been so happy that Jesus was there. But I love the very first word that I highlighted in that. It says, and he got out of the boat. Who do we never see got off the boat? The disciples, I'm with them. I'm staying on the boat. He just calmed to see. There's a crazy man up there. You go. You go. I'm going to stay right here and pray for you from a distance. You've got this. You go. So I just, I, I find that funny that that happens. I love that. But as he gets off the boat, immediately this man came to him, and this man had an unclean spirit. You know, in any good horror movie, you've got to have the villain, right? Well, we get the villain set up here for us very, very well. We get this villain who is an outcast. He is sent away from his people. There is uh, no one wants to be with him, verse 3 through 5. In those verses, we see no one was able to bind him anymore. There was a time the townspeople were able to bind this man and the, with, with, with chains, but now he's able to break the chains. He's able to break the shackles. Have you ever known anybody that can break chains and shackles? They're usually at a circus if we do. You know, we don't see them out on the, on the main roads or out around us. So this man is able to break these chains. He is bound physically, but we also know that this man is bound spiritually. We see again later on in verse 5 that there is no one strong enough to subdue him. This man was frightening. Day and night he yelled. Day and night he screamed. I know there's uh, a house near me in my neighborhood that has dogs. And day and night, the dogs bark. And day and night, the dogs scream. And that sometimes can get a little overbearing. Could you imagine living in this town and you hear day and night this man screaming as he's gashing himself? No doubt telling your kids, don't go up near that area. You know he's up there. This man was hopeless. This man was hopeless. And that brings us to our first takeaway this morning. When things seem hopeless, Jesus brings deliverance. When things seem hopeless, Jesus brings deliverance. 
When life seemed hopeless for this man who was dwelling in the tombs and possessed with demons, Jesus brought deliverance. There is nothing that is too great or too small for the Lord. He is able to meet any need that you have. The people had tried to subdue this man. In fact, it said no one could subdue him any more. No one was strong enough, but one just came onto the scene who was strong enough. One who just came onto the scene who was just right. You know, this morning, wherever you find yourself, when it looks hopeless, it's just right for God. When everybody else has given up on you, God won't. It's just right for him. When it's too hard for man, it is just right for God. When things seem hopeless, Jesus brings deliverance. Continuing on in verse 6 and 7, I want, you, I want you to see the reaction of the man. When he sees Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he addresses him as Jesus, Son of the Most High God. Now, no doubt at this time, the demons, it seems, are the only ones throughout Scripture so far who seem to know who Jesus is. Every time Jesus has come into contact with, with an unclean spirit or with a demon here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, during this section before, uh, or this section of his ministry, they're the ones who always call him Son of the Most High God. They're the ones who always call him Lord. They're the only ones who always seem to know who he is. But what I love about this, we've got a man who is bound down he is hopeless. He has no way to go. He sees Jesus from a distance, and he runs to him, and he bows down. You know, so many times, the last place we want to go when things seem hopeless, the last thing we want to do when we don't know what to do is to go to God, to go to Jesus. But that's the first place we need to go. Because if we truly believe that when things seem hopeless, Jesus brings deliverance, why wouldn't we go to the one who brings deliverance first? Why wouldn't we take the need to the one who controls nature? Why wouldn't we take the need to the one who time and time and time again has delivered, has made whole, has healed? This man knew who Jesus was, and he knew that Jesus was his only hope. Now, I love the story as Jesus heals this man, and there's a whole lot you can unpack. And, of course, me growing up Church of God, there's a whole lot of good stuff you can unpack in that passage. There's probably three sermons in that that we could, that we, that we could do right out of just those few little verses there. But I'm going to spare you all of that and just say that Jesus did an amazing thing. <clears throat> Jesus did an amazing thing in setting this man free. And, you know, you may ask yourself, how in the world could someone be possessed with so many demons that they call themselves legion? How could that happen? You know what a legion is? Legion is usually 6,000. In, in, in Roman at this time, in Rome, the legions were usually 6,000. Now, we know there was a whole lot of swine, and those demons went into the swine, and they went into the ocean. By the way, pigs can't fly, pigs can't swim that well either. So they all drowned. The pigs tried to fly, and then they drowned. So, you know, we see that Jesus can do a lot of things, but he didn't make pigs fly, right? No. He could have if he wanted to. Could have if he wanted to. But he didn't. That wasn't part of the story. That wasn't what he was doing here in this passage. 
But how, do, how does someone get that many demons involved in them? You know, have you ever watched a little kid who you're giving food to? I have a little nephew, and my wife used to keep him when he was little. And we would have another little guy that would stay with us from church. And there would be cereal out there. They would eat Cheerios. They loved their Cheerios. And they would pull one Cheerio from the other. And if they didn't get caught, they would get another Cheerio. If they didn't get caught again, what are they going to do? They're going to pull another Cheerio. If they still don't get caught, what are they going to do? Pull another Cheerio. Same thing happens with us in sin. When we let sin get a foothold, when we let the devil take a foothold in our life, it's easy uh, just this once. Well, just this once. And we continue, continue, continue down this path of allowing the enemy a foothold within us, and before we know it, we are so subdued, we are so overwhelmed, we are so oppressed that it becomes unable for us to breathe, unable for us to find a way out. We find ourselves hopeless, and Jesus is the only place that we can find that deliverance. You know, I I, I think that it's amazing that this man was able to come to Jesus in his situation, that he was able to come to Jesus. But what I also think is sad is that the people in the town had given up on him to the point that they had just put him away in a tomb. They had just put him away in a tomb. You know, we as believers this morning, I hope that we never become those people who can simply take those who were outcast, those who were downtrodden, those who are in need of deliverance, those who are hopeless, and we just cast them away. I hope, I hope, and my prayer is that we would know there's a God who can heal and we would let him use us to be a message to them. I hope that would be where we find ourselves today. In Mark chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, as we see here a little bit later, we see that Jesus has healed this man. And again, I'm not going to dive into all of that with Jesus healing the man. If you have questions, I'd love to talk more about it. We'll get some coffee and talk. But we've got a lot of stuff happen there. Well, here we see that when these pigs run off the side of the mountain, again, who wants to see that in the movie? That's going to be pretty cool. He comes out of him. He goes into these pigs. The pigs, no doubt, ah! They're screaming and they're running and they jump off the mountain and they all just, you know, they all drown. So they had lots of ham that day for dinner, I guess. That's another way we know these were not Jews because Jews would not have been tending pigs and they would not have been digging them out of the water. But we see all of these pigs go, so no doubt these herdsmen, as we would be, when they saw that happen, they hightail it back to town. And what are they going to do? They're going to tell everybody, you won't believe what just happened. This man just did this and this and this, and all the pigs died. You know, it was going to be, this is amazing. So what, of course, do people do when we hear something like that? We go fleeing. Just recently, we had an ambulance come down the road at my house, and I was so shocked because about 20 minutes later, golf carts are going down the road. People are walking with their babies in carts. There's never that much traffic going down the road. But everybody was just happened to be walking their dogs or their kids that way to see what was happening down the road. We like drama. We like drama. So they were going to where the drama was. But I love that when they came here, verse 17 says, they found this man and he was sitting down. I'm sorry, verse, verse 15. Go back to verse 15. I apologize. 
He was sitting down, clothed and in his right mind. And what did they do? They became frightened. They became frightened. They come and they see this man who no doubt had kept them up at night, no doubt had scared them. Uh, There was no doubt they probably didn't bring their boat to beach where Jesus did because they knew he was there. They had this man that everyone was scared of. They now come because they heard what happened. They see him. He is now sitting down calmly. This man was not calm before. This man was sitting calmly with Jesus. He was finally wearing clothes. Praise the Lord. That was a good thing. He had clothes on. This man was also in his right mind. You know, I would hope that I would be excited about that, but what did these folks do? They became frightened. I think there's two reasons they became frightened. One reason they became frightened was because they had never seen someone with the power of Jesus, and they were overwhelmed by his power. But the second reason I believe they were frightened, which is a a much more horrible reason, is because Jesus had interfered with their money. I mean, think about it. These were the herdsmen. They went back and told the townspeople who came out. All of their pigs had now gone. Jesus had just messed with their checking account because they had lost all of these pigs, and they're scared. Not only has this man healed or restored this man, but Jesus just messed up my life because he took all of this away. They missed the miracle. They missed the great thing Jesus had done Because they were so focused on themselves. Was Jesus able to meet their need? Far more than they could have ever imagined. They might have lost a couple thousand pigs, but he could have given back a whole lot more. But they were not willing to see that. All they were willing to do was be afraid because they did not understand. Sounds a lot like the world, doesn't it? Sounds a lot like the world. We get so caught up in stuff. We get so caught up in the cool thing. We get so caught up in what is all in the news right now that it makes us lose sight of what is really important. And it makes us miss what God is wanting to do. Makes us miss what is happening. Well, when this man is sitting there clothed, they become frightened. And they look at Jesus, and instead of saying, Come to our town, help us with this, help us with that. What do they do? They implore him to leave the region. When they heard all about what he had done and about the swine, they asked him to leave. Jesus, we see what you've done, but now you need to go. You need to go. We see what you did. Now it's time for you to go because we don't want any part of that. You know, unfortunately for us as Christians, there's times that we try to share our faith And people just don't want to hear. But I want you to know that if you plant that seed and it's watered, God will work in that situation. And he does that here in just a little bit. I'm going to show you in just a few minutes that even though they sent him away, that the word of God still went out there. And in verse 19, Jesus tells the man after he asked him, can I come with you? Jesus says, go home and report to your people. Go home and report to your people what has happened. You know, I think it is amazing to me that Jesus is in this area and we read nowhere else in Scripture, nowhere else in Scripture 
that Jesus really did anything else here in Gadara. You know, there wasn't a time that he went and taught in the synagogue here. There wasn't a time that he fed multitudes here. There wasn't a time that he had healed the sick. All he did, he's crossed the sea, came through that storm for one reason. And that reason was for this one man who needed a Savior. He crossed the sea. He left all that was happening in Galilee, came across even where he was eventually unwanted for one purpose, and that was to reach a man who was in need, to reach a man who needed to be delivered. And when this man was told to go home, I'm sure he was upset at first because he wanted to go with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't you? You've had all this happen to you. You've been in, just had these demons for so long, and now you're healed. You're clothed. You're in your right mind. You've been set free. Of course you'd want to go with him. But he says, go home and tell people. Go home basically and tell those that you know. Go home, tell your family, tell your people, and report to them. This man was the first Gentile missionary. What do you think about that? He was the first Gentile missionary who went. Jesus commissions a former demoniac to be a missionary to a group of people who had just rejected him. That's pretty wild. Now, how many of you are a demoniac this morning? I don't think anybody. If you raise your hand, come see the pastor. He's on the front row. We'll take you to the back. But if he can use a demoniac to share the gospel, I'm sure he can use you. I'm sure he can use you if he can use a demoniac. Here's the second takeaway. God has called, equipped, and empowered you to be a missionary. And you know what? Neither you nor those you reach are worthy. But that's not going to stop Jesus. That's not going to stop Jesus. If you really think about it, I love this, that the ex-demoniac, what he was able to tell them was really limited. He had had one nighttime experience with Jesus, right? Jesus came up in the night. He ran to him. Jesus set him free. The pigs ran off the, ran off the, the cliff. The people come up. They tell Jesus, go away. Jesus leaves. He says, go back home. He's had one nighttime experience with Jesus. So, you know, he really doesn't have a seminary education. He hasn't seen Jesus do all these miracles. He has not been a witness to all these things that Jesus has done. But what he could do was report to them what he had seen Jesus do and what he knew Jesus had done. He was able to tell them what he was like before Jesus what happened when he encountered Jesus and what his life is like now that Jesus has come on the scene. This first missionary had no theological training, but he simply had a story to tell. And you know, you may not have this amazing story of how God rescued you from uh, demon possession and killed a a bunch of swine or whatever, but what story you do have is a story that God can use to reach others. We simply have to be willing to allow God to use us. You know, he crossed that sea and came to a place for one man. How many times do we miss an appointment that God has for us because we're unwilling to go because we're unwilling to do because we're unwilling to 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 surrender to what god wants us to do 
Well, this man was willing to go wherever God sent him. And I love the fact that it seems as though he didn't just go to his people. If we see the next verse there, he goes home and reports. But in verse 20, it says, He began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Now, Decapolis simply means ten cities. Uh, and it included uh, Gadara, it included Gerasa, as well as Damascus. So Jesus told this man to go home and to tell your people. Go home and tell your family. But this man goes home, tells them, and continues telling people. And then he proclaimed in the Decapolis. He proclaimed across these ten cities what Jesus had done. And everyone was amazed. And I told you we were going to look back and see what this man did. Uh, show Mark chapter 7 for me, if you would. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. It says, Again, he, Jesus, went into the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty. And this time, what do they implore Jesus to do? To heal him. And they implored Jesus to lay his hand on him. Before they implored Jesus, just two chapters, they implored Jesus, please get out of here. Please leave. After this man has been preaching, after this man has been proclaiming, after this man has simply been telling, this is who I was before Jesus, this is who I am after Jesus. Now they're imploring Jesus to lay hands. They're imploring Jesus to heal. They're imploring Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. It seems as though the message of this one man has changed a region. You know, you may not think that God can use you. You may say, what have I to give? I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't talk well. I have this issue. I have that issue. You may think that you really don't have a good testimony. You may think that you cannot make a difference in the world filled with darkness simply because it's just you. But look at the way God used a demon-possessed man as an unlikely missionary. This man was delivered to serve. I truly think there was one reason for him to come across the water, and that was to deliver this one man so that this man could share the message of the gospel, and then Jesus could come back and have a way to work with these people. You know... He was set free so that he could proclaim freedom in Jesus. And you may not have been set free from this horrible life of sin, but you have been set free from sin. And, you know, we serve a God who can take a man from the lowest lows, transform his life, and use him to change a region. Just think of what God can do through you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we see that if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. This man was a living testimony to this verse, to the chain-breaking power of Jesus. And this is not just something he did then. This is still something that Jesus is doing today. Jesus is still breaking chains today. Jesus is still setting captives free today. Jesus is still delivering the oppressed today, and he is still changing lives. So if you're listening today and you are oppressed, if you're listening today and you're bound by chains, if you're held captive by your past, if you're oppressed by shame, by, by guilt, know that you can meet Jesus just as this man did. And like him, you can run to him 
You can bow down. You can confess him as your Lord, and you can experience that same life-saving, changing power that this man did. God can change your path, and he can take you from a hopeless future to a future that is filled with hope. And if you are listening today and you have already been delivered to serve, if you've already been saved, then I want to encourage you. Here at First Baptist, we have this initiative that we call the Everyday Missionary Initiative. Now, I don't know how many of you have been commissioned as everyday missionaries, but I'm going to tell you, you all are everyday missionaries. Again, if Jesus is going to commission a demoniac who has been delivered, he can sure enough commission you, and you have been commissioned to share the gospel. God has commissioned you just as he did this guy, and you simply have to remember that God has called you, he has equipped you, and he has empowered you to be a missionary. Now, how do you do that? You do it through everyday life. That's what this Everyday Missionary Initiative is about. It's not like you have to go on a mission trip. It's when you go to the grocery store, you went on a mission trip. When you go to the mailbox and see your neighbor, you went on a mission trip. When you are standing in the line at Walmart or the line at Kroger, you are a missionary and you're on a mission trip. What that means is sharing the gospel in every way, sharing the gospel with everything you do. Well, how do you do that? Well, one, it's by the life you live, but two, it's by simply telling your story. This is who I was before Jesus. This is who I am after my encounter with Jesus. Wow, what can he do for you? Because I'm sure right now you're thinking of someone who is hopeless. You're thinking of someone who, who has a need. You're thinking of someone who is oppressed. You're thinking of someone who needs deliverance. God can use you. You've already been called. You've already been equipped. And you've already been empowered. Now you've just got to go and tell what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. You know, there's people all over the world. There's people all over these islands. There's people all over your workplace, all over your school. There is people all over that you will meet who are metaphorically in that grave that we talked about at the very beginning. And they're stuck down there. And they can't see a way out. And there's not going to be someone to touch them on the shoulder and scare them out of there. But what there could be is you reaching a hand down in and saying, let me introduce you to a Savior who can point you in the right direction, who can pull you out of the hopeless place you're in and can set you on the right path. We serve a God who can deliver, and he can use you if you will simply serve as you've been delivered to do. Let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. God, we thank you for this opportunity uh, for me to share. God, I just pray that, uh, Lord, something I've said today has, has, has touched hearts, God, and that, uh, Lord, you have just used this in a way that only you can. God, it's not me, Lord. I don't know what to say, don't know how to say it, but, God, I just pray that, Lord, your word uh, will not return void, God, as, as, as you move. And as you open our hearts and minds, God, you have called us to serve. God, you have delivered us to serve. God, you have empowered us and you have equipped us. So God, let us move forward in that. God, if there's one here today who does not know you as their Savior, Lord, if there's one here who is still bound, 
God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. God, today would be the day that they would meet the Savior who delivers, the one who can free. And God, I pray that you will use us as your church here. God, not just this building, but God, us in this church. That, Lord, you will use us to continue to further your kingdom. And, God, you will let us be those who tell others and who changes a region because of the message we have of your son. So, Father, you continue to empower us, to continue to use us as we are willing vessels. God, we're available to you. So have your will and way. In Jesus' name.